is Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Coming soon to iOS and Android. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This episode of the Swirl Suite is sponsored by In Good Taste, a global winery in the comfort of your home. With all of us being home full time, I can only speak for me. I've been eating and drinking a lot more. Through their single glass bottles, In Good Taste helps me experience new wines and new memories in one 187 milliliter serving. That's one glass of wine, y'all. In Good Taste offers packages of 8 or 25 mini bottles of wine from across the world. Check out InGoodTaste.com and use coupon code VINEMEUP for a 10% discount. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. Happy Wine Wednesday. Hey, Leslie. Hello, hello, hello. It's good seeing everybody. Leslie, you are really happy about this political news. Oh, my goodness gracious. You just don't know. (laughs) Were you worried? Like, who did you think he was going to pick? I don't know. You know, if there was, if we were in another place in time, but now you just don't know what's going to happen. Like if somebody say a block blew up in Baltimore, you'd be like, no, that didn't happen. Yes, it does happen. Like you just don't know. So I am very excited for, for those who are coming in at the tail end. I am delighted that Senator Kamala Harris has been selected as uh, Joe Biden's running mate and okay. is a proud Howard alum. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy. I thought he was going to pick her to be, uh, I thought he was going to point her to at first as the attorney general. I, I, I thought mm-hmm. that's where he was going to move with and maybe someone else like Val Demings. Um, but we go wrong either way. So I am excited. I can't wait to see the first VP debate because oh, it's yeah. won't be able to stand toe to toe with her. Oh my goodness. But what's going to be interesting is the commentary afterwards. Yeah. Depends on which channel you listen to. Right. Depends on which channel you listen to. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So what pretty rosés are y'all drinking right now? Let's see. I don't know how to pronounce this on this damn bottle, so I'm just going to show it to y'all. Let's see. If we can get in close without... It's a provincial rosé, 100% Pinot Noir, Mm. and it was a recommendation from the wine girl at um, Total Wine, because they were out of the uh, pure Loire that I usually drink. So I got this, and I was like, oh, this real cute and sexy, too. (laughs) Leslie, oh, oh look at you. Yay. Yay. Perfect. This um, you know, this month is rose month. Mm-hmm. So I ambitiously am posting a rose every day this month. And this is on one my- of the roses. <laughs> this is one of the roses that I am featuring. This Very month. nice. For those who can't see you, uh, what are you drinking? Hi. I'm drinking Gerard Bertrand Cote de Rosé. That's nice. Do you keep the um the glass caps? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so do I. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I love them. I love them. I keep that whole bottle because I like how it has the rose petals on the bottom. Mm-hmm. It looks mm. like a bottle. Well, what do you do with the bottle? Like bottle. Um, I put water in it. Use a water bottle or oh, use it as a base. Yeah. Yeah, right that's a good free. idea. That is a good idea to keep it. Hmm. Yes. See, you the, the way me on Pinterest all day tomorrow, looking at <laughs> stuff to do with wine <laughs> bottles. There you go. You're welcome. 
<laughs> well, they they purposefully designed the bottle to be a rose, and it's a rose mm -hmm. uh, rosé. So yeah. that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Very pretty. I have a black business shout out before we introduce our special guests. Okay. Um, my black business shout out is the Shine app. So the Shine app is like a self care app that was mm, it was created by Black Wolf. Women of color. I don't know if they're all black, but women of color. And um, I've been listening to it. I'm in a meditation app. I have this friend that keeps sending this group of challenges to uh, my group of friends. It's annoying, but then it's like, oh, I feel better after each challenge. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> so this month is a meditation challenge. So um, what day is this? Day 11. And I've been using the app and it's really cool. I'm starting to really get into a morning routine and um, you can get reminders and, you know, motivational like texts and stuff like that. So it's really cool. And it's called the shine app. Isn't that just touching? I've been like, could y'all stop texting me? I'm trying to sleep. See, <laughs> is it, is there, um, can you just download it? Is there, a it's, there's a cost you can okay. do monthly or just pay like a, like a set fee or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not bad. I think they had a sale and I think I paid like $35. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. $35 for the year or? Uh-huh, for the year. Oh, yeah, that's mm -hmm. not bad. Yeah. That's not bad that's a gym membership. Very true. Right. Very true. Right. Uh, we got a black business here with us today. Woohoo! We got Michael and Rotimi of Bedvine. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Thanks for having us. No problem. Great. Great. You guys want to introduce yourself to everybody? Uh, I'm Michael Brooks, and um, I'm one of the um, owners of Bedvine Wine. I am Rotimi Akinoye. I'm Michael's business partner, and uh, we have two other guys. I don't think they're on the call, but my brother Ayo and uh, Pete. Can you guys tell us the story? Like, what's your connection with sort of like beer, wine, and spirits? Like, how did this even come about? Well, basically, um, <clears throat> I moved to Brooklyn in like 2007 and um, Bedside was the first neighborhood I moved into and, you know, coming from Manhattan, you know, I never really hung out too much in Brooklyn, but one of the things that really um, appealed to me was how awesome the neighborhood of Bedside was, like how people there, people there were very dynamic, a lot of people of color there and everybody was like, um, it felt like a, a neighborhood and it it was I was really impressed with the people there there were so many artists and businessmen there attorneys everything like that and I've never really been around like a, a black enclave like that you know what I mean like so many people that are dynamic and doing so many things but also you know living there I also noticed that the neighborhood was severely underserved and you know I noticed that there's definitely opportunities for, for businesses out here, you know, help serve an area that's being completely underserved. And so um, one of the things that I knew would work in the neighborhood would be a, a wine store, just because, you know, most of the people that I talked to and stuff like that, they, they, you know, weren't used to actually shopping in their own neighborhood. They were used to going into the city or going on their um, way home from work, stopping some, somewhere off, and picking up wine or alcohol or whatever and, and bringing it home. So, you know, um, Timmy and his brother Ayo owned this um, building on Tompkins and Putnam where they had a bunch of commercial spaces. And I was like, you know, I came to them and I knew Timmy from pharmaceuticals because that was my background prior to this. We worked for the same company. And I was like, listen, um, one of these days, let's talk and let's just discuss about using one of the commercial spaces for a wine store because I know it'll work just because, you know, I see what's going on in the neighborhood. I see uh, how, you know, the neighborhood is has lots of resources, but there's just not enough services there. So that's really how Bedwine got started. You know, Timmy and I, and Pete, we all came together and, um, you know, it was difficult at first, but then, you know, after a while, we all got on the same page. The one thing about us, we have a great partnership is we don't allow egos to get away of making business decisions. You know, we're not, we, we can all put our egos aside for Timmy. Yeah, um, so, I mean, Mike pretty much said what the story is. Uh, Bedford-Stuyvesant was sort of going through, in 2000, 
uh, 11 when we opened, you could see how the neighborhood was transforming itself, um, how new people were coming in, and how people are looking for, you know, wine experiences that didn't involve bulletproof glass between them and the merchants. Um, I hate the whole transaction in black communities of bulletproof, we put our money in the glass, they give us the stuff, exactly. it's not personal, it's not, it's just like, it's not respectful. I personally don't think we should do business with anyone that has a plastic glass between us. But that's another conversation for another day. Um, so we just figure, you know, a wine shop that people can actually touch the bottles, you know, read labels. Mike is brilliant in terms of curating really great programming, tastings. Um, so we just saw where the neighborhood was going and we wanted to create something different that did not exist in the neighborhood. And that was pretty much the motivation. We had the real estate, um, Mike had the expertise, and, and here we are, um, nine years later, expanding and getting bigger every day. Yeah, one of the things that I also like to say is that, you know, we wanted to um, create a business that was part of the neighborhood. So we wanted to partner with the neighborhood. So we didn't want to be a situation where we're just extracting resources from a neighborhood like a parasite and then it, it goes somewhere else and that money's not recycled in the neighborhood. You know, we all live in the neighborhood or, or close to the neighborhood and, and we transact and we do a lot of things within the neighborhood. We're actually part of the community. So we want to set an example of business, businesses that, you know, can thrive in the neighborhood and be part of the neighborhood and, and you know, have a, have a big reach, but still keeping the money recycled within the community. But then another aspect we had as well too, is we focus on education so that we can basically, you know, we, we combine everything. So we do we like to excite, entertain, and educate at the same time. So in the wine store, we organize the wines by taste. And the reason why we do that is because when someone um, learns more about their palate, they have a much more enjoyable experience. So if you go to a restaurant somewhere or you travel or you move away somewhere, as long as you understand your palate and you understand which wines to purchase, you'll have a more enjoyable experience. And that's something that nobody can take away from you. That's excellent. How were, how were those classes first received? I mean, well, again, we organized wines by taste, so we started off small, right? So we basically, mm-hmm. people coming into the store, you know, you know, most people aren't used to buying wines by taste. So it took a new way of training and thinking about purchasing wine. So a lot of people come in and say, oh, I want a French wine or I want Italian wine. And I'm like, okay, I understand that, but I want to provide you the French wine or the Italian wine that suits your taste. So that's why I created six taste categories for red and six taste categories for white. And that way it became a training process for people and our customers in the neighborhood. That's excellent. Awesome. And do you find that it, it, um, it invokes the conversation more so than you just saying, yeah, go buy this bottle here. Um, people really appreciate that you yeah, are. Definitely. It's definitely a nice conversation. And, and also another thing that helps too is being able to have stories behind certain wines. So, you know, all that stuff, you know, contributes in it. And then listening to the experience of the customers of, of the wines that they've tried and telling the stories of, of how they were, you know, happy about it or not happy about it. And using that as, as a building block, as a transaction and, and not transaction, but as, as a, as a um, what do you call it? Um, you know, repeat transactions with, with each customer so that, you know, our goal is not for you to come in and buy one bottle of wine and never come back again. Our, our goal is for you to keep coming back and making this as a, as a um, you know, a reoccurring transaction and, and like a relationship so that, you know, that we're your wine store while you're here. If you move somewhere else, that's fine, but at least you'll be able to understand your palate and you'll be a more enjoyable experience no matter where you are. So how did y'all go from the wine shop to the cocktail bar and to bed vine brew. I mean, basically, you know, the, um, which I mean, the brother, I had three commercial spaces in, in the building. And so the, uh, the, the brew became the uh, first commercial space was before was a French pastry shop. And, you know, they, they left and we had a space there and it was just a white box. And at the time craft beer was really taken off in the United States. It was a growth market. And I'm like, you know what, why don't we take advantage of, of the, the craft beer market? Because, you know, it was such a huge market and so big buzz going on around it. And, you know, there was no craft beer places around in Bed-Stuy. 
And, you know, before it was just going to be a retail shop. And what happened was our customers from the wine store kept coming in and they kept saying, you know, we want a place to drink. We want a place to drink. And, you know, before we were like, nah, we don't want to do a bar. We just want to do retail, you know. But over time, the same recurring thing kept saying, coming, kept, um, kept coming from our customers. We want a place to drink. We want a place to drink. So it just evolved into a craft beer bar, craft beer and wine bar. And so, you know, we decided to make the place look very comfortable, like someone's living room or an extension of somebody's living room. So, you know, so it was a low ceilings and narrow place. So we decided just to embrace those qualities and design a place that, you know, almost felt like a cabin. And, you know, we added a DJ to it and, you know, it, it, it became a hit, you know, right away. And, you know, the, the craft beer was also, you know, was a, was a big draw for people. But since we also had the wine shop next door, you know, we were able to put in, you know, all different types of wines in there as well, too. And, you know, it became a big hit. And so we, you know, basically we have become pioneers or people in the forefront of the craft movement, which is a movement focusing on quality, not quantity. <clears throat> so do you have um, in your space where they can drink in the space where um, your customers can now sit down and feel like they're in a living room, but do you offer light bites at all, or is it just strictly beer and wine? Or can they well, drink? you know, um, we don't do food. We do um, offer snacks and stuff like that. And, okay. and, and weekends, we do have a guy that goes out and he grills outside. So we have, you know, okay. you jerk chicken, shrimp, pork, oh. and, you know, vegetables and stuff like that. Um, but again, we're, we're focusing on, on the, on the, um, on the drink, we don't focus in on the food, um, but we do have stuff available for people. Excellent. I've actually been to your cocktail bar, and there's like a soul food carryout right next door. And I had a ball. I got me some fried chicken, and I sat at the bar and had myself a little cocktail. It was very nice. It's like two years ago. So you can bring the food into the establishment. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, that's yeah. the piece I was missing. I was like, yeah. you serving beer, wine. And yeah. these people are not eating anything. I'm like, yeah. that's the recipe. But that's yeah, I don't know what the rules are for New York, but right now, um, because of COVID, NDC, and I'm not sure about Maryland for y'all, but NDC, they have to serve some sort of bite with right. their alcohol, especially yes. if you're serving mm-hmm. them outside. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we do too. We we have to serve food as well too. So we have mm-hmm. like delivery service, um, you know. From brew, we get a Mexican restaurant that drops off burritos and quesadillas and then for the cocktail bar, we get another restaurant that drops off empanadas and um, we use it. We have those. Very smart. That's such a smart move. Now, in, in this area, because of COVID, they have really bent the alcohol rules, which I'm not complaining, just observing. Um, so they're able to do cocktails to go. And um, beer to go, which they had not done before. Is that now something in um, New York that you guys are able to do or have the rules stayed the same? The rules have changed so drastically um, with us. It's basically, we get mixed signals, right? So our our governor basically one day will say something, the next day he'll say something completely different. So it's very confusing. Sometimes he said that cocktails to go were good, and then and then I think he, he changed and said no, no cocktails to go are no longer any good. And then he said that bars should be closed, and then you know, so it's it's really confusing for us. So we don't actually know if cocktails to go are, are legal anymore. I think I think they made it. I think they allowed it to happen for a month or two, and okay. uh, I don't think we're allowed to do it anymore. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, here in Maryland, it depends on the county, because in Montgomery County. It depends on the actual establishment because some establishments have gotten closed down because of the COVID. You know, it was across the board. Everyone had to be open a certain time and you couldn't have a certain amount of people over a certain amount of people inside an establishment. So they did the outside seating. But because some of the um, bars and clubs kind of went overboard, they shut them down and then it got so bad that they said, cause they were being open as long as they wanted to be open. So like this one um, establishment could stay open to one o'clock and they were serving drinks or whatever, whatever, a little bit long. They shut all that down. Now everybody has to stop selling alcohol at 10. 
you can stay mm-hmm. open in MoCo, but you can't sell alcohol after 10 o'clock. And that's because of violations to the number of people and the mask and the six feet apart regulations because people are crowding around outside as if there weren't a um, pandemic going on. So, Right. I mean, it's, it's a difficult situation for us because, um, you know, they've shut down over 100 bars in New York already. And so uh, by doing that, what happens is it, it limits the availability of, of of available bars, mm-hmm. what happens is it increases the concentration of people in, in, in fewer places. So it basically puts us between a rock and a hard place, right? What are we supposed to do? Like, how do you, how do you enforce social distancing and stuff like that if you have a hundred people gathering outside your spot? Like, even if you have security and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's just I just see it getting worse because more places are getting closed down, so there are people who have fewer options. So I mean, there has to be some type of balance, and there isn't any. Mm-hmm. Wow. Have you guys had to get creative because of COVID? Have you had to, like here, I know for more outdoor seating, they cut some of the street parking and put seating on the street. Um, yeah. Have you guys had to do anything different, you know, creative? Yeah, I mean, we have, we have all, we, all that stuff is going on as well too, but it's still, it's still a difficult situation for us because we are responsible for anybody that's consuming alcohol within a hundred feet of our premise. So, you know, I don't really know, but in New York City, 100 feet is like the next block. Right. So, you know, right. it's really, we're, we're in a situation where it's up to the discretion of the task force. So there's really not much we can do. Mm-hmm. We just got to hope and pray that when they come by, that the things are okay. But it's really difficult for us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. It's very stressful. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Wow. Be glad when Rona cares her, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know this is a tough question to ask, but um, Michael and Rotimi, like if you guys were were to open another business, what type of business would it be? Um, That's a great question because the bar business is tough. And and now it's going to be tougher with COVID. The retail business I love, uh, the bar is complicated. But in terms of, you know, for a long time, because I'm so, community oriented, I thought about a co-work space, like a WeWork. And, and we I was gonna call it Bedfine where I had a name and everything. Um, and the idea was a co-work space where professionals work, but, but also allow high school kids to come in maybe once a week to sort of get bored by the adults. Um, for me, seeing how things are moving forward and um, as far as people working remotely and you know, people focusing on doing stuff remotely and virtual calls and stuff online. Um, a good business, I think, would be fulfillment. So something that can, you know, scoop in and, and provide, you know, shipping to, you know, shipping services for certain products, you know, because Amazon can't handle all of it. I mean, they're getting the, the lion's share, but I, I'm sure there's a lot of opportunity in fulfillment right now. That's, that's yeah, I think great. people are still... Um reticent about leaving home mm-hmm. so if you can uh if you can get it online i think that people will appreciate it uh do you guys have a wine club michael um that's something we are actually in the works of trying to release it by september oh, nice. um yeah we we don't have one currently but we are looking to start doing that because you know our since COVID has started, our online sales and our shipping, you know, uh, nationally has increased, I would say, probably about close to a thousand percent. It's been insane. So, um, you know, we, we want to have start a club, club sometime in September and, um, you know, go from there. Because, you know, we have, we have our own private labels. We have about 30 different private labels and we have some new private labels coming out and uh, should be... I think at the end of the month or early early in September, we got um, a Chenin Blanc from South Africa, a Pinot Tache from South Africa, and we have a oh. a, uh, a premium craft vodka from Virginia that's going to be our private label oh. vodka. That's uh, coming out in September as well, too. Can you share with the share with us the name of your private label? No, I mean it's just the Bedvine. It's called. It's, it's just about. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't nice. I didn't know if you were branding it under a different name. No, we all we brand our products under our name, Bedwine. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. 
tack on a virtual tasting or something like that to the um, wine club or the spirits club or however you put it together and mm-hmm. you got yourself a whole new um, uh, income. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. We definitely do. We do a bunch of virtual tastings and stuff like that. And, you know, some of the places where that do our, our private labels, we have the winemaker will come on and do it for us. Like we did one recently with um, Chelsea Pierce, Brooklyn and fitness and, um, you know, we had the winemaker for our Provence Rosé um, on, the, on the Zoom call. Even though it was, you know, they're like five, six hours ahead of us. You know, he's in Provence and he, you can see he had his, um, he lives in a castle. So he has a little castle in the background. It was pretty cool. Oh, man. Yeah. Gotta love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Love Provence. <laughs> I kind of have a question for everybody. Um, Y'all know I live in D.C. I live in the city. There are, there's so many things that this neighborhood needs, like a grocery store, um, a bakery, a coffee shop. Like, we have nothing here. Um, is everybody else in need of stuff in your neighborhood? Like, what does your neighborhood need? All of the above. Air real. conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm going to say something crazy. Oh, my God. I mean, we're based... On, um, in, in Bed-Stuy, we're on Tompkins Avenue, which is the heart of Bed-Stuy. We have a lot of services now that have, um, you know, that have, have opened up there. Um, mm. I think they're, they're considering a name change for Tompkins Avenue is to Black Wall Street because there's 32 different Black-owned businesses, mostly, nice. um, mostly women um, on Tompkins Avenue alone. And, uh, you, know, you know, before, I would say maybe 10 years ago, yeah, we're underserved, but I think we're pretty where we are. Um, things are really, um, really nice. I mean, we pretty much have everything. We have, you know, we have the um, a CSA, which is a, a farm share at Brew, mm-hmm. um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and actually it's going to be on Thursday as well too this week. But, you know, it's been taking off like crazy. I, we've had it for there for nine weeks, and, you know, it's it's going unbelievable. I haven't had to go to a grocery store and for like ever wow. just because I get stuff from – it comes from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. This farm there, and like they have like a different. They're connected to like two different, two hundred different farms in Pennsylvania. So, you know, we get fresh produce and and um, you know meats and everything from there. So, we have a lot of services where we're located. So, I'm I'm happy about that. You know, that's awesome. I wish. Yeah. And then what, Sarita? Didn't you guys have a community garden near you uh, at one time? <laughs> or they tried to. Well, they tried to. That that was a fail. There is a market that comes, well, it's once a month now, but mm. it's a little farmer's market that comes once a month um, at the community center down the street from my house. But that's mm. that's about it. It's not enough. So, yeah. yeah. We have multiple supermarkets. Yeah. <laughs> multiple coffee shops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it's clustered because uh, where I am in Blackville, um, there's nothing at the southern part of the county, but if you go to the, like the central part, the northern part of the county, there are more grocery stores and stuff mm. like that. Yeah, it's a little disheartening. I know this is a whole another conversation, but I've been to community meetings where developers just don't want to build in this um, this area. So I think it's going to be up to small black businesses to to build their own community up here. So. Interesting. What yeah. what part of D.C. are you in? Uh, I live in Northeast, at Ward okay. Seven. Ward Seven. Uh huh. And I think at one point it was right. Yeah, at one point, and but then the other thing, like in the part of the county where I live in um, Prince George's County, the residents didn't want development. Development. Mm. And so now that they do want development, the developers don't want to come here. Right. So mm-hmm. I agree with you that it's one of those things where the community is going to just have to make their own, which isn't bad. I think that's no. a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great idea if they actually do it. Like they say, yes. oh, we want our own, but then they don't want to do it. So you just leave all these storefronts empty or just leave just yeah. a vast land of nothingness. No. Yeah. Do there's Build little something. Yeah, there's little pockets of abandoned um, you know, businesses all around here. Mm. So yeah. No, that's how it was when I lived in um PG County when I was in Suitland. I'm like, you mm. have a metro station right here. I live mm-hmm. by Branch Avenue Metro. Yeah. Like, you got the metro here, like how was this not developed? Mm-hmm. How was there nothing here? It's stuff there now. 
but yeah. how was this not developed like right away mm-hmm. yeah right. and we could just we could go on oh, about yeah we, we could. And yeah. What have you. but yeah. yeah sorry sorry mike and Rachel. <laughs> sorry <laughs> right we digress. Yeah, and we're, and we're back. Okay, that's, that's a critical issue because, because that is one of the reasons we open our businesses. Mm-hmm. And we believe very strongly that Black people need to be more in control of our mm-hmm. circumstances. I don't think we have a Black-owned supermarket in New York City. I mean, a big supermarket, not bodegas. So God forbid. So God forbid if, if white, people white people decide not to sell us food, food they're kind of done. That's mm-hmm. crazy. that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, this part of the show, we just have five random questions to ask you guys, and everybody can answer if they want. All right. First question: How do you like your pizza, and what do you drink with it? Anybody can go first. <laughs> Go ahead, Ruth, Jimmy. I'm a meat lover. Not as much as Mike. He's a steak guy. But whatever. We drink broccoli and sausage and that. And I'll drink lemonade. Lemonade? Lemonade. Can your crust be any kind of crust? I like it thin. Okay. I already had it in pizza, so I needed to be thin. Okay. What about you, Michael? So I like Detroit-style pizza, so I like the squares and like the thick crust. So, um, you know, for me, I can't eat pork, so I would, you know, have other stuff on there. So I would, like, I love um, mushrooms. I love onions, um, extra cheese. You know, you can throw some some ground beef on there, a nice sauce, and, you know, I'm happy. And you know, with that, I would like to, you know, have it with sparkling, like, you know, a nice dry or collard rosé. That's mm. what I would like to have with it. Now, Michael, please excuse my ignorance, but that is the first time I've ever heard Detroit-style pizza. <laughs> so Detroit-style pizza, um, it comes, it's, you know, obviously comes from Detroit, but it's, it's squares. And so they come in these little dishes. These There's these pans that they made. Back in the day, you know, Detroit was Motor City, so they did a lot of manufacturing automobiles. Mm-hmm. So they had used leftover scrap metal to, to, to make these square um, pans. And they were pans that were like an inch, inch and a half thick. And they had, you know, they had these folded edges and stuff like that. So they just decided to make pizza in these pans with the leftover scrap metal. And that's that's the, the origin of Detroit-style pizza. But it's almost wow. like, it's like a pan pizza almost. It's thick. Right. It's got a little greasy crust, almost similar to like Pizza Hut, but... The difference mm-hmm. is that Detroit-style pizza, they put the cheese over the crust first, and then they put the sauce on top of the cheese. Oh. It's, it sounds oh, similar Chicago. to Chicago. Yeah. Chicago's deep dish is a little bit different. It's, I mean, because it's better. Oh. I was going to insult the guest. I'm out. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> New York City pizza. I think Chicago's, Chicago's round. Detroit is, is, is uh, square. Right. I prefer Detroit over Chicago because the Chicago, if you eat the Chicago pizza, you feel like you have a knot in your stomach after you eat it. Or at least mm. Detroit style, you feel, you know, you're full, but you feel comfortable. I get that. Uh, would the representative from Chicago like to respond to that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, about the best pizza? Chicago deep dish. Of course. That's what my pizza is going to be. With meat and vegetables on it. And I'm drinking either a narrow Davila, if I can find it, over um, uh, uh, Southern Rome. Red. Nice. So, well, for me, um, growing up in Jersey, um, uh, it's New York style pizza um, pepperoni and mushroom, crispy crust, side of Parmesan cheese, and red pepper flakes. Done. Mm-hmm. Um, drinking with that, if it's in the winter, I'm probably going with a red and it's going to be a Cabernet of some sort or a Shiraz. Um, summer, I'm drinking sparkling or rosé because these hot flashes in that red wine just don't But I must say, I do like um, Chicago deep dish. Giordano's is 
It's a it's almost like a small little casserole. It's just like sausage, cheese, and bread, and you just can't say no. It's like, oh my god, I gotta have some yeah. more. That's if right. I'm in Chicago. No, you're not supposed to eat the whole thing. You eat like well, you one, can't maybe eat the whole thing pieces. and not die. Right. <laughs> you eat like one or two pieces with a knife and fork. It's a full meal. And that yeah. it is. No yeah. appetizers, not a salad. No. Mm. Maybe a Coca Cola with a bunch of crushed ice. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that worked too. That's your treat. That's your special treat. <laughs> Leslie, what about you? Um, I. I really like Lido's Pizza. Girl. It's in, in Maryland. <laughs> Sorry. She's from Maryland. Okay, y'all, let's behave. Let us talk. We're listening. We're listening. And, and <laughs> Michael, I'm only talking to you right now. <laughs> Locking everybody else up. I'm listening to you. Thank you, Ro Timmy. Thank you. <laughs> It too is a square crust pizza, but it's thin. And they and they have these huge I like the pepperoni and sausage and mushrooms and black olives on it. And I would have a Chianti with that. Thank you very much. And they put sugar in the sauces too. <laughs> I am I've been like recently a fan of just the Italian margarita pizza. Mm -hmm. So thin crust, mm. like what those, but the, like the, the big bubbles in the crust, like airy yep. bubbles. Um, yeah. Margarita with the fresh mozzarella, the basil. <sighs> Jesus. So good. So good. Um, I would have a Sangiovese. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's my Very answer. Good with pepperoni. Yeah. Yum. Oh, that place right. um near you, Glennis. Frankly Pizza. Oh my god. Frankly Pizza. It's Sarita, you would love that place. Really? Yeah. It's because they do everything is farm to table except for the meat, because the meat is so um labor intensive for them or for them to get it in or try to raise it themselves. So they actually for their meat, they source from specific um meat. Mm -hmm. Um Store, not stores, but farmers. Mm -hmm. Their crust is made in house, or their dough mm -hmm. is made in house. So mm -hmm. you can get, um, call it gluten free crust if you mm -hmm. want it, or you can you do the regular crust. But again, both are all of it's made in house, and the vegetables are farm to table from local Maryland farmers. And mm -hmm. it's a very quaint, small little place. It's not that crowded. And they do the same for their wines too. Um, yeah. mm. They have specific wine regions that they bring in and everything. And pretty much they try to be as organic as possible. And the pizza is phenomenal. Mm. Fresh arugula, arugula salads. Yeah. Oh, it's good guy. Yeah, you really would like it, Serena. Oh, that sounds good. Mm. Okay, next question. I think um, should, I oh. think you should do a pizza show one day. <laughs> yes, we should. Yeah, that yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> and we'll make sure we have some lemonade just for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be hard lemonade. It don't necessarily have to be your little kids. Stay uh, lemonade. Uh, hard lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question: What was the best business advice you've ever received? I think it's having a mentor. I'm always of the mindset that you're not doing anything new. Someone's done it before, and you learn from their mistakes. So making sure you have a mentor is, to me, the best advice I ever received. Me, I, I would say the best advice I received is being, um, being what do you call it, uh, flexible and being able to react to changes in the marketplace and be able to anticipate, um, you know, be able to anticipate how, um, you know, how the, uh, how the market goes or how, how competition, you know, stuff like that, just being, um, being aware and, and um, not being afraid to, to make changes because business is a dynamic thing, right? It's not yeah. a static thing. It's, a, it's, it's always the economic Landscape is always changing. Just look at, you know, right now we're in COVID. The places that 
didn't have an online presence and um, just focusing on foot traffic, those places are, are struggling right now. A lot of them have, have yeah. actually closed because they weren't prepared for mm -hmm. this COVID thing. So yeah. that's a that's really um, you know pr pretty good example I think of of being able yeah. to um, be flexible and, and and be able to change with the with the marketplace. Um, know your numbers. Mm. Like don't get intimidated. I got very intimidated by my numbers. But knowing your numbers will make a difference. Glennis and Tanisha, anything? Yeah, I know I don't own no damn business. Glennis, so. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> you still can get business advice, life advice, you anything know. you want to share? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Up, You're such like, a great what, moderator. All to you do is win, win, win. Like, what is it? About you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, rolls over holes. Like, what was your advice? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Um, I'm on a serious note, I think Leslie hit the nail on the head. I think, from what I've heard from other people, handle your own accounting. Mm. Know what's going in, what's coming out, and know your product. You know, I think um, know your product. And the third thing would be make sure you're business oriented and train your staff in customer service and whatever it is, because you can lose so much business just from having that one worker who just don't know how to say, you know what, I don't know, but let me get back to you. Mm -hmm. Let me get my mm -hmm. other coworker to help you instead of ah, mm. that. So. Yeah, I fired. I have fired off mm -hmm. many a tweet over bad customer service, exactly. and somebody had to do, you know, some recovery. Exactly, so, exactly. Absolutely so right about that. Things. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're very familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, did you send him a tweet, Sabrina? Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't y'all, Tanisha. What about you? Anything? Uh, done is better than perfect. Um, sometimes you can get so caught up in this needs to be perfect. This needs to look a certain way. And sometimes you just got to get it out there, uh, do it, and then let the customer or let your uh, followers or your people kind of tell you um, what kind of changes you need to make to it. And the other one is uh, most things are a marathon and not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And so stop looking for the quick, the fast way to do something, the quick and fast way to make connections and build relationships. Um, it's a marathon, so be in it for the long term. Mm. Exactly. Um, for me, it was have multiple streams of income. Just be prepared to. I mean, just just like Michael said, if your if your business is like based on foot traffic, then what? You know, just multiple streams and be flexible. Right. Multiple streams and multiple different. Um, uh, I can't think of the word now in English. Multiple different uh, business types. Yes. And I'm saying mm -hmm. that because like um, I look at myself and while I had multiple streams of income, they were wrapped up in tourism. Mm. Tourism is now not a thing. So it doesn't matter if I had four streams of income, they all related to tourism and they are all like, girl, we're not doing that right now. Mm, great point. So, yeah. Great point. Industry, that's the word. Thank you. All right. We got <laughs> different industries. Yes. All right. Next question is pretty simple. Waffles, pancakes, or French toast? I eat them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally depends on where. Totally depends on where. Yeah, we're. it does. And I, I make the best pancakes, by the way. Oh, my goodness. What, crispy oh, edges? is that an invitation? Oh, yeah. Oh, we all the best guy. Listen, if they're not crispy edges, we might have to. I can tell you how to do it. The, the, the key to making really great fluffy pancakes is you have to separate the egg whites from the egg yolk, you know? So you put in all the, the butter, the flour with the egg yolks. And then at the end, if you fold the flour in, you you, you fold in the egg whites at the end. Oh, oh that's oh, right. That's okay. Right. okay. okay. I am writing that them sound down. And for French toast, don't don't use regular milk. Use heavy cream for French toast. Yes, yes, yes. Heavy, yes. heavy cream always makes the difference. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like diabetes, all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't eat it all the time, but like, yeah, 
mm-hmm. one Sunday a month. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, and when you make it, it's just it's got to be good. Right. Yes. Yeah. If you're gonna eat those like, calories, don't yeah. Like uh, very painful. Oh, nice. Tanisha, what's your favorite? If it's with the crispy edges, pancakes. If not, then waffles. Yeah, I gravitate towards pancakes first all the time. Mm. Me, I, I'm, I'm French toast all day. Are you? Me too. Mm-hmm. I'm French toast. Instead of syrup, yeah. I use um, whipped cream because I put blueberries mm-hmm. in my pancakes, so I don't use syrup. I just a little bit of whipped cream. I still use yeah. syrup, even if it's whipped cream. Yeah. Barrel-aged maple syrup. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Wait, Mike, Mike, what did you say? I use, I like barrel-aged maple syrup. That sounds really good. It sounds very next level. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I used to make French toast, I would use uh, a little Grand Marnier in the batter. Yes, ma'am. Yes. yes. Nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to You could sprinkle a little Grand Marnier with some powdered sugar so on your pancakes or your waffles, so some powdered sugar and just drizzle Grand Marnier on top of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Strawberries. Yeah. yeah. And you got a crack. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Eat that in the street. <laughs> just make it thinner. There you go. And the syrup <laughs> always has to be warm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cold mm-hmm. syrup is the worst. Yeah. It's like glue. Yeah. People yeah. do that? Cold syrup. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Next question. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> oh, girl, you're fine. Okay. So okay. this is the last question and this will be for Michael and Rotimi. It's Sunday afternoon. Your day is complete. The sun is going down. It's a perfect 75 degrees. What are you drinking and what song are you playing? So for me, I'm going to drink a nice, um, you know, chillable red. You know, typically, like, I like red wines that go through carbonic maceration, so they're, you know, they're nice and chill. So I would drink, say, a nice chillable bread from Sicily, like a Nerolo Mascalese, and I would be listening to Donald Byrd. Mm. Okay, Donald Byrd. Google's Donald (laughs) Byrd. I would be uh, drinking champagne champagne. or easy. (laughs) Mm-hmm. No, you that don't is the reason. You that don't need one. Reason. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Bubbles always good, and listening to Sade. Yes, ma'am. Yes. My Nigerian sister. Love it. This was fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for joining the Swirl Suite today. So, before we leave, we do have an app. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. We have a bedroom app. We deliver all over the country. Uh, our app is updated it with a black winemaker. So you can see product that you buy back uh, winemakers. Oh, wow. And um, I think that's it. Unless you have a app. Is the app in um, the app store for iPhone and Android? Yes. Yes. Yep. You can order from the app, and you can also order from the from the website as well, too. So, and know. to that note, can you tell everyone where they can find your website and social media, too? Sure. So our website is www.bedvine.com. Bedvine is spelled B-E-D-V-Y-N-E.com. Oh, dot com. Okay. And, you know, you can just do a search in the app store for Google or Apple under Bedvine. And Apple come up there, there um, that way as well. Okay. And then, well, Tim, you can tell you about the Instagram stuff because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm literally <laughs> the social media. He, he's on so, top. our Instagram is Bedvine for the wine shop. Just Bedvine, B-E-D-V-Y-N-E. And actually, we should type that in the three. So it's Bedvine, and then for the scrap paper, it's Bedvine Brew, B-E-D. V-Y-N-E-B-R-E-W. And then for Bedvine Cocktail, they switched it up. It is Cocktail Brooklyn. Cocktail Brooklyn. Yeah, but once you type Bedvine, they tend to line up right after one another. And Facebook, it's just the names Bedvine One, Bedvine Brew, 
Redvine Cocktail on Facebook. Cool. I'll add all of those Thank links you. to this description. Exactly. And Thank you. Those are without the dashes, correct? Uh, the Facebook is with the dash. The Instagram, no dash. Facebook dash, okay. And the, the website's definitely dashed, <laughs> hyphenated. Okay. Well, awesome. This was great. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Wishes, this was great. Bed Stuy. Next time die, now it's for everybody. Come see us in Brooklyn. Of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Take a trip up. Yeah. Did you tell right. us the address of the actual? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Um, so the shop. The the one shop is uh, three eighty five Tompkins Avenue. C O M. Okay. Tompkins C O M P K I N S. Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11216. Got you. Redvine Brew is across the street, 370 Tompkins Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11216. Nice. And Redvine Cocktail is 305 Halsey Street, H A F E Y, Brooklyn, New York, 1216. Excellent. Thanks for putting it in the friends. chat. Oh, yeah, it's in the chat. Fantastic. It's in the chat. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I'm going to tell some of my friends who live in Brooklyn. In the Dumbo area, they live in Dumbo. Um, we, deliver, we deliver to Dumbo. Do you? Excellent. I will definitely give her the information. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And we wish you, you much success. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Congrats. Congrats on Ms. Harris. All the black women that Yes, I will be Yes, indeed. Oh my God. Bye bye. <laughs>